And this is very uh, particularly important as of on last Thursday, I don't know if you heard, but the Minnesota House passed what is poised to be the most extreme abortion rules in all of our country, all the way up to birth. And so um, we have to redouble our efforts in prayer and penance and reparation for uh, the great evil of abortion and prayer and protection for them. So tomorrow, maybe pray a rosary, um, maybe uh, fast from a meal or fast from meat um, for this. Our gospel is from the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. So he's baptized by John in the River Jordan. He goes into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by uh, Satan. And now he is on his mission. Now he is proclaiming the gospel of the Lord. He is bringing about God's kingdom. And he fulfills this ancient prophecy of Isaiah that we heard in our first reading and is referenced again in our gospel. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. And those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light, light has arisen. Christ is the light. The light that comes into our dark world. This is a very familiar theme, light amidst darkness, Christ being that light. But what is the light? How is it that it overcomes the darkness? The light is the love of God, God's love. Jesus is the love of God made flesh. The love of God becomes incarnate in our world in the person of Jesus Christ. And it comes into a world as a light amidst the darkness, the darkness of hate, selfishness, lies, fear, and evil. But we see in Jesus' ministry that he doesn't plan on doing it all himself. Again, immediately, immediately he calls followers, he calls disciples. These disciples are called to do the same, to embody the love of God, to make God's love tangible in the world And they're called to be fishers of men. Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. They're supposed to bring others to Jesus. They're supposed to help help make other disciples who will also embody the love of God in the world. This is important. You and me, 2,000 years after this, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Yes, we go to Mass, we have the smells and the bells, we pray, we light candles, we inscribe inscriptions over our doors for Epiphany, we eat fish on Fridays, we do these Catholic things. But at the heart of it all, my friends, we are simply disciples of Jesus Christ. It may look different than it did 2,000 years ago with Peter and Andrew, James and John, when they were first called. But today, being Catholic is simply what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ at its fullness. It took years and years to flesh out what discipleship would look like in the various cultures and contexts. But you and me are simply disciples 
of Jesus. People have asked me, maybe they've asked you, are, are you Christian or are you Catholic? Are you Christian or are you Catholic? And I'll respond, well, I'm both. I am Catholic, which is the fullness of what it means to be Christian. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be Catholic. To be Catholic is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The two go hand in hand. In the end, again, all of us here are simply disciples of Jesus, just as much as Peter and Andrew, James and John were, and we're called as disciples to embody the love of God in our world today. You may have seen it in my blast from the pastor, my weekly e-newsletter. If you don't get that, please call the office or you can sign up online through our website at the bottom of that page. But you would have seen that my father retired from his profession as a surgeon this past week. And on Friday, I had some time to catch up with him. Fridays, he drives our very own Queen of Peace Catholic school bus. So we have 29 students that come from south of our parish, Sturgeon Lake, Moose Lake area. And um, my dad, on Fridays, he drives that bus up here. Uh, He had to get his Class B license. He had to go through training and all that and um, drives the bus up here. So on Fridays, though, instead of driving the kids here and then going back and then back and forth, he just hangs out at the rectory. Uh, Usually he works on his lesson plan for Mater Dei Apostolate. He teaches biology to those, those high schoolers at that apostolate. Anyways, I usually have time to catch up with him, and we are reminiscing and remembering some of the great memories Uh, during his time as a surgeon. One thing that I, that struck out to me, that I pointed out, I said, Dad, through your life as a surgeon, you got to experience and encounter people that you wouldn't have if you didn't have that profession. In particular, people who experience great brokenness, people who may be on the margins of society, you had the opportunity to meet people in their very hurting and suffering times of their life. An opportunity to touch people who normally wouldn't be able to experience the love of God. And he said, yes, that is true. He said, early on, it became apparent to me where normally maybe someone coming in with this or that issue, you might be tempted to judge them or being judgmental towards them. But early on in that conversation, if you dug deep enough hearing their story, most of them came from broken families or weren't given a great hand in their life. Many of them were abused themselves. And so it was out of their brokenness that they experienced brokenness in their life. In fact, it kind of came full circle. His very last patient on Thursday, his very last um, operation that he had to do uh, was on a woman, an obese woman who had six children with four different men who had been in and out of drug rehab, just great brokenness in her life. But again, someone who had brokenness growing up and was living out of that. But my dad, just like in all his patients, was able to show compassion and mercy and the love of God to her, to someone who probably didn't experience that much in her life.
My dad was able to bring the love of God to many people who probably didn't experience it much in their lives. And by doing so, he was being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't have to be anything spectacular in our lives. It means simply loving the person that is in front of you at that moment. Showing mercy to the person who is in front of you, no matter who they are. Showing compassion to the person in front of you, no matter who they are. I think it's easy for us to take advantage of the opportunity that we have with our spouses to love them. Oftentimes, we take them for granted. You should want your spouse to look at you and see you as a loving, merciful, compassionate person. You should want to impress your spouse so they think highly of you. As a pastor, I have this desire. You know, I want you to see me as a loving, compassionate person. And so that motivates me to actually be that way uh, to you and to others. And you should have that especially for your spouse and not to take them for granted. Your children. Scripture says, parents, do not provoke your children. Do not provoke your children to be be that father, to be that mother of love and compassion and mercy. Firmness at time, yes, but to show them the love of the father in their lives. Unfortunately, right, we tend to be kinder to strangers than we tend to be to even our spouses or our children. But even our young people here, our teenagers who go to high school, you have such a great opportunity to embody the love of Christ to the young people that you come across in your classes, in your classmates. A lot of them maybe are excluded, maybe made fun of, but you have the opportunity to be a bridge to them, to show God's love to them, their dignity. How can we do better at this? How can we get better at embodying the love of God for others It comes down to prayer. Again, it always comes down to prayer, daily prayer. Because when I begin my day in prayer, and I realize that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, that that's my identity, and I'm called to embody his love in the world, then I can go through my day with kind of these lens of looking for opportunities to be that love. I should be constantly thinking, how can I be God's love? And I need to be ready for difficult, maybe frustrating encounters with people, especially my family, even my spouse at times, and to be ready for that. And instead of reacting with anger or selfishness, I can respond with reason, with love, compassion, and mercy. But again, we need to pray. We need to be reflective and be ready so that we can respond in the ways that a disciple of Christ would. My friends, Jesus is the light in the darkness. He brings the love of God into our dark world, but he asks us, he needs us to help him. He cannot do it alone. We are called to make God's love present in the world, and every act of love, every act of love brings light into the darkness. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light, On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. Be, be God's love. 
Be the light in the darkness.